This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello there and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast. I'm Joe Rimmer. The Reds are top of the league and today I'm joined <laughs> by two handsome and intelligent gentlemen. On my right, Christian Walsh. How are we, Christian? Hiya, Joe. That was a lovely introduction. Yeah, I'm in a good mood. You are in a good mood. Yeah, and on my left, our full-time Liverpool reporter, both home and away. And he was back home yesterday, James Pearce. How are you, James? Very good, thank you, Joe. Did you enjoy it yesterday? I did, yeah. Um, both kind of on a personal level and also, I think, professionally, it's, it's very nice when you get a, a game as straightforward as that to write about. Um, you know, it was effectively over at half-time. Um, and an absolute procession for Liverpool. I think, um, if anything, you know, the scoreline probably flattered West Ham because the golf in quality between the two teams was was absolutely immense. Mm-hmm. Liverpool, it never really felt like they got out of second gear, did it, Christian? It, it really didn't, and uh, and that became really noticeable in the second half, and it, it resembled something like a training game, to be honest. I think what we'll see a lot of this season, well, certainly we hope that we'll see, teams when they go 2-0 down sort of not going f- to make it 2-1 but just saying right damage limitation time now boys I, f- I, f- I feel like that's what happened when that second goal went in on a struggle half time I think Pellegrini's half time team talk probably changed slightly and it went from you know oh we need an equaliser here boys to okay we'll just we'll just see out the first 15 and see what happens Liverpool obviously got the third within 7-8 minutes of the restart but I think what we will see, hopefully, is you know striking the fear into teams like that again. Um, and what it does mean is that Liverpool, you know, won four nil. I wouldn't say they ex- overexerted themselves, and mm-hmm. I think conserving energy is going to be a big part of this season for Liverpool. I think it's important that if they do win games, they win them early. And you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing if they stop the scoring after 55-60 minutes and they just play the next 30 minutes conserving energy because they're going to need a lot of it this season they're going to be wanting to fight on four fronts okay they've got a big squad for it but they've got to you know, maybe box a little smarter this season in terms of not going full pelt for the full 90 minutes and I think what we saw against West Ham was that a team who maybe hit fair gear very very briefly but in general second gear actually cruise in the sunshine yeah, mitigating circumstances, of course. West Ham, new team, nine new signings, five in the starting lineup. Yeah, you know they, they'll probably take some time before they hit their stride. But, but James, it is interesting what Christian said because it feels to me. I watched yesterday. And I thought that, yeah, Liverpool just went up the gears when they fancied it and then dropped back down and, and almost had a breather. Is that that's what top sides do though, isn't it? It is, and I think I think it's certainly a, a sign of the development of the team under Klopp because I think, you know, they've Liverpool have been great to watch under Klopp for a long long time but I think that there has been periods where they've been when they've been completely in control of games they've been gung-ho and and left the door open uh, and, and given teams a way back into games when they, they really should have just shut it down and I think I think yesterday was a good example of of, of just being in absolute complete control and, and almost you know just there, there is no need to when you when you're two or three up like Liverpool were and absolutely cruising. You know, of course, you still want to entertain, but you know I think I think the big thing was keeping that shape, keeping that discipline. Not when you don't need to take risks, don't take risks, don't overcommit players forward. And Liverpool, Liverpool just toyed with West Ham in that second half. I think you know it, it kind of it reached a point very early on. You know after the third goal that went in that you know, obviously the third goal should have been disallowed. Mane yeah. was was offside, but. Um, 
you know, from then on onwards, you, you got the impression that, that West Ham just wanted the game to be over and just wanted to escape without an absolute thrashing. And 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 Liverpool boxed clever and and just you know kept the ball, you know, still created chances, but it was that yeah that was that was as impressive as as the attacking football at times. The fact that that they just never ever gave West Ham a, a sniff, and they you know they. West Ham were very, very disjointed, you know, as you'd expect with a team with so many new players and a new manager at the helm. But you know, they still had some decent attacking talent out there in now Naltovic mm-hmm. and obviously bringing on someone like Yarmolenko. But you know, in, in all departments, it was just a thoroughly professional display from the Reds. Yeah, there's so many talking points, Christian. So many good performances from from Liverpool players. But we have to start with Naby Keita because I can't remember many better debut performances than him uh, we talked before didn't we you didn't want to get carried away I think she'll get carried away so <laughs> go on get carried away I think we said as well Chabi Alonso maybe in terms of yeah, the most just, impressive just that. I wanted to bring oh. that to James, but, uh, just that well, this is what happens when go we on. don't rehearse yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well we don't rehearse <laughs> uh, yeah I, it, it's hard not to get carried away I think Naby Keita I'll go on the record and say it now is the differential between Liverpool winning the league and not winning the league. I feel like you've got Liverpool versus Manchester City, you've got that 25-point gap that Klopp was obviously asked about. And you can see where they can make up 8-9 points here and where maybe City might drop 8-9 points here and there. But the one player who is not in the equation from last season, who is this season, it's not Riyad Mahrez, it's, it's Naby Keita. He's somebody who can completely and utterly transform that midfield. I thought what was interesting, everybody's been talking about the Coutinho replacements since he left, to be fair, but you know, even over the summer with the Fakir deal, etc. Um what we saw from Keita was he was playing in a similar position, but he he had very different traits. Yes. Um I think he only did it once or twice where he came from deep and was collecting the ball from deep. Coutinho used to love to do that. That wasn't to Coutinho's detriment, that was what he was good at. He used to like to dictate the play from deep. But what you had with Keita was a, a player who was, was present in the middle and you know was always there, ready to receive a pass, ready to turn and always ready to, to you know play in the, the full-backs. I think you'll see somebody like Andy Robertson uh, absolutely flourish because well, you yeah. saw him from the first goal. I think Trent's on the other side as well. I think you'll see that. I was very interested to see him line up on the left-hand side of the front three in the second half. I just think he's a player who... He gives Liverpool that X factor. He's, he's, he is something that Liverpool didn't have last season. I think he's something that a lot of the teams in the Premier League, maybe Manchester City included, don't have in the way that he knits the play together. I'd like to see him a little bit deeper. Um, and I think it's a huge shame. I think this will become a theme of the season that Oxley Chamberlain's missing because I think him, Oxley Chamberlain, and you know Henderson, Fabinho, whoever as, as number six will be an absolutely incredible midfield. But, you know, so far, so good. Only one game. Let's not get carried away. But, yeah, let's get carried away because I think <laughs> he, he very much came with a a promise, I think, after a year. I can't remember a build-up to a player playing for Liverpool as much as this one. And he delivered, albeit against a pretty ragtag West Ham midfield. And somehow Mark Noble is 50 years of age. is still getting a game for them. <laughs> yeah. But... You know, he, he did what he had to do and he, and he looked very impressive doing it. James, are you getting carried away about Naby Keita? Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 I agree that he... I think he's, he's going to give Liverpool another dimension th- this season. Um, you know, I enjoyed watching him in pre-season, having heard 
you know so much about him and you know, I've done a few pieces over the summer kind of speaking to people that had worked with him previously um, you know especially when he kind of burst onto the scene in in, in France and you know the, the huge impact he, he, he made there and obviously this you know pretty miraculous rise he's had from you know what was it kind of four or five years ago playing in the French second division in a struggling team to to Salzburg and then obviously Leipzig and and now Anfield but yeah I think you know to anyone who he didn't see an awful lot of him in the Bundesliga Sunday was kind of it was everything you've been led to believe that he that he was um and yeah he's just absolute breath of fresh air in terms of I mean, he, he looks like a complete midfielder yeah. in terms of the manner in which he he repeatedly shut down space and won the ball back you know the way in which he linked play I, I loved how mm-hmm. every you know he was so positive when he was you know he only every time he got it it was Go, drive forward with it, make things happen. You know, finding you know intelligent player, finding pockets of space. Um, you know, he was involved in pretty much everything that was that was best about Liverpool as they you know, as they absolutely took control of that that game. And you know, Klopp has got some real real options in that midfield department now. I know, obviously, when the window shut, some people had pointed to you know has have they really replaced Coutinho? Well, you look at you look at that bench yesterday. You know, and obviously, yeah, you know, you effectively had a second-string midfield in terms of Fabino, Henderson, and Lallana. You know, three up. You know, you could that's a complete midfield in itself. Um, but yeah, for me, the the midfield area was the the biggest plus on the day because I just thought that they, they dominated from the start. Um, I thought when Alden was brilliant as well. Mm. Um, such a versatile player. Yeah, you know, he was you know against Torino a few days earlier. We'd seen him bombing forward and, and making things happen in the final third on Sunday he proved he can he can do a job in that in that holding role um and James Milner you know, I, th- I thought pushed Kaita very close for for man of the match honors because um you know he he led by example with with the with the way that he he got about that pitch and, and made things happen and um you know it was you know, he was an absolute you know some of the, the deliveries that he, he whipped mm-hmm. into the box um Showed just how important he is to this this Liverpool team, and I'm sure you know when when Keita and Fabino arrived this summer, you know a lot of people maybe would have thought that that Milner might be one of the ones who would kind of looking anxiously over his shoulder and uh, and maybe looking at reduced game time. But if Milner keeps playing like that, you know he's going to be absolutely central to what we hope will be a sustained title challenge. Do you wonder what's in Milner's Ribena? <laughs> we'll come back to Milner in a minute because I just do want to. You, you kind of mildly spoiled it before, but I do want to come back to that <laughs> question. Sorry, that, that, um, we, we, I was going to ask James earlier, uh, brought up by our um, combined course and wrestling reporter Neil Dockin, said to me earlier that he thought Naby Keita's debut was the best midfield debut at Anfield since Xabi Alonso all the way back in 2004. James, do you remember that game? And do you think that Neil Dockin has got a point? Did you say best debut by a midfielder? Or by yes, any by a midfielder player? since Xavi Alonso. In I remember Norwich 2004. They beat Norwich yeah, 3 Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. I, I can't. You know, I, what 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 struck me about the game was almost that that Liverpool haven't had a midfielder like that since since Steven Gerrard basically yeah. since, since he left the club. Someone um, th- that dynamic, someone who provided that that kind of energy to the team. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't disagree with Neil on that one. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously Alonso burst onto the scene and 
and went on to enjoy a you know a fantastic career at Liverpool. But um, yeah, I think you know at the moment you know you you don't want to go over the board because it is just just one game. But you know you can see why Klopp was willing to wait twelve months for Keita rather than pursue another option because. He just looks like the perfect fit as well. You know, you, everything that you would you would want in a midfielder to play in a Klopp team. You know, he, to, to me, he, he ticks all of those boxes. There you go. James isn't going overboard, but has just compared Naby Keita <laughs> to Steven Gerrard <laughs> and Xavi Alonso. Not going overboard. Right, well, we will go overboard <laughs> about James Milner as well because, Christian, I know you're keen to talk about him and his Ribena. But uh, just watching, <laughs> watching back on Match of the Day 2 last night, even... Martin Keown was blown away by him. He was with some very weird better. words, though, as he well. Yeah, he, <laughs> he, said, he, said, yeah. he said his onboard navigation was... Onboard navigation system. Onboard navigation, <laughs> he's yeah. aging like a fine wine. Yeah. That's, that's I, I, I can get with that, the fine wine. The fine wine, the I mean, onboard navigation was weird. It's just his brain, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> just how, that's how humans work. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's, I, I wrote James Milner off this time last season. I said he, he, he'd be lucky to... To get a, a sniff of Liverpool's midfield, um, I thought Klopp had essentially consigned his Liverpool career to the dustbin when he moved them into left back because I thought he wouldn't be able to then readapt and, and become a central midfielder, which is you know ultimately where he's ironically it's where he's always wanted to play. It's where he, he joined Liverpool to play yeah. initially, ended up getting shunted out on the you know the right hand side of midfield like he was at City, then as a left back, and he finally actually got to that position that he wants to play and he's making a count because he's just been absolutely incredible his durability he's sensible he's using the ball well and if you know some i used to look at james milner i used to i remember he played holding well not holding midfield but he was in a in the two of a four two three one under klopp at times in his first season i think uh, the europa league final and he just looked like he was, you know, when you see a player, and, and uh, you think that's a little bit like when you watch Man United now at the moment, where the tactics have moved on and the game's moving on, yeah, and a player hasn't. Yeah. I thought that was James Milner. I thought that the football would leave him behind, but he's he's just reinvented himself as this shuttling. I don't know what he is. He's just this this central, complete central midfielder, a bit of everything. He drifts out wide to the right. What you see from those two with him and Keita, it's a nice balance because Keita naturally drifts out to the left mm. and Milner actually drifts out to the right and both of them have got cracking deliveries on them yeah. um, he blinks up well with Trent I think you can't underestimate how much help he gives Trent down that area down that right hand side he chips him with a few goals didn't score many to be fair last season um, you know most of them are from the penalty spots he probably wouldn't mind a couple Robin play, but you just have to look at what he did for the uh, for the second goal uh, you know typifies what James Milner is all about under this uh, Liverpool uh, manage, management I think the whole of Anfield assumed that the whistle was going to go and the ball was going out to play and it's 1-0, you know, let's, let's see what we can do in the second half. But he didn't give that ball up on the byline, cut it back and there was Manny to tap home. You know, and as Manny wheels away, there's Milner giving it, you know, the full clenched fist to the yeah. cop. So it feels like he's a fully ingrained Liverpool player and you know, I think this will be a theme that I'll talk about hopefully throughout the season. But... Milner feels like, and this is because he is a title winning midfielder. Yeah. He's somebody that title winning teams, or certainly title challenging teams, have in their squad. And you know, he did it for Manchester City as a squad player. I know do it for Liverpool as a squad player. I, I wouldn't have a problem with James Milner. He's played in the Champions League final in central midfield for Liverpool ultimately, and I wouldn't have a problem if he lined up in central midfield against Bournemouth at home, Manchester United away, or Barcelona in the new Camp. I'd be confident in James Milner's abilities now and. It's such a turnaround from 12 months ago. Yeah, If you think back to 
the Man City game where Coutinho scored the winner in the 2013-14 season. I remember Milner playing in that game for City and I just remember being blown away by Changed the game. How good he was. Yeah, he came on, changed the game, kept getting him behind the ball in that little pocket where he found Manny at the weekend. And it's funny, isn't it? Old Milner's career has sort of come back to this stage where he left Man City because he was competing with great, great players and yeah. probably wasn't getting enough football. But here he is at Liverpool, again, competing with great players and having to battle his way into that midfield, isn't he, James? Yeah, I think he is definitely under underrated and yeah. you know, probably underappreciated to a, to a large degree certainly you know outside of Liverpool I think because he's he's never been you know he's, he's never been one who's like embraced that kind of you know he's not a celebrity footballer is he he's not you know he no. never really you know, he, you know he, he obviously you know he, he sometimes you know, with his now with his social media presence he plays on the, the boring James Milner thing and um, you know he's, he, he's he's certainly not He's certainly not boring really, in terms of uh, what what he what he can the qualities he can bring to this Liverpool team, and it's, it's interesting because of course it was what was it a year ago last weekend that the Klopp kind of prompted a bit of a social media meltdown in Dublin when he, he came out after the game there and, and described Milner as, as a we've got a new midfielder in uh, in James <laughs> Milner, and obviously at the time you know people were fuming because they. They didn't want James Milner as a midfielder. They wanted Keiter to come in straight away. Liverpool obviously ended up doing that deal later, later in August for him to to join this summer. Um, but Klopp was pr- has been proved right. And I must I agree with what Chris said before about you know after his year at left back, um, you know I think you know I, I didn't have any great desire to what to see Milner play left back again, and I, and I feared for him in terms of how was he going to get into that midfield. But he ended up playing a, you know, a massive part en route to to Kiev last season. Um, you know, underlined by the fact he broke that Champions League assist record that had been held by Rooney and and Neymar, and you know, he, he looks so fit and strong at the moment. I think you know that's that's the other thing. For yeah, he's thirty two, but you you know the way that he's he's led his life and the way he's looked after himself. Um, you know, he he's he's got he's still got a decent few years ahead of him, and in a, and in a young Liverpool squad, he is absolutely priceless to. Mm. To Klopp, I think you know when, when I was over in Evian um, the week before last, Klopp was talking then about just how important Milner and Henderson are to him as the two leaders in the dressing room. I mean, for starter, Milner's you know, one of the very few who's actually been there and done it. He knows what it takes to win a win a Premier League title. Um, and you know, again, you know, the other things that jump out. You would, when I did the chat with Curtis Jones over in America, you know, you, you said to him, you know, who yeah. who's really helped you. It, you know, inevitably it was James Milner. He's been absolutely brilliant to me. Um, you know, same with Nat Phillips. I mean, he is he's such an important presence for for Klopp in so many ways. But Sunday was a, a timely reminder as well that you know more than anything, he he he, he can be a, a, a top class centre midfielder at the, at the at the absolute highest level. It's incredible when you think about it. He's been playing since he was sixteen at Leeds. And and he's played regularly. People point to Rooney, and you know, rightfully so in a way. When they point to Rooney and say, "Oh, he looks like he's you know he's 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 being put out of pasture at the MLS," but you know, well to be fair, you know, he is only thirty one, thirty two. But you know, in football, he is. He's about thirty five, thirty six because he plays well. So did James Milner. Yeah, yeah. he's thirty two. He's been playing now for what is that? 10, 16 years. Sixteen years, yeah. And he's you, he could probably go another two or three. So yeah. I, I mean, you know, the day might come where. Not necessarily his legs go, but obviously it all it catches up with everybody to play central midfielder his age at thirty two. I think is a in the Klopp sort of team is a remarkable effort anyway. So how long they will get out of him, 
uh, between now and, and the end of his career. I don't know in that position, but as things stand, you know, 16 years still going strong. It's it, it's a bit of a phenomenon. I'd, I'd love to see how many minutes he's played. I might have a little, little look up in a minute, but uh, he must be one of the in terms of minutes played he must be up there with everybody in the Premier League and he's, he still looks like he's he's 21 years of age mm-hmm. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo Liverpool's front three not, not that any of us doubted it but they, they hit the ground running didn't they um, Dan Kay in a different podcast this week tipped Sadio Mane to be the Premier League top scorer I asked him if he was drunk <laughs> um, he wasn't but he can't. He, he, he can't, can he? Do you, do you want me to be honest? Go on. <laughs> I must have, I prefer <laughs> to lie to me. Do you want me to? Everything has been a lie so far. I've, I've backed Sadio Mane top goal scorer oh, in the Premier League. Are you drunk? That's where I put the best on. What price, what price was he? 80 to 1. I've got him each way. I just... I suppose each way, but then... I just think he's going to play a different role. Like, I look at... I'm not saying this is, this is purely on the value basis. That's me as a, my betting head mm-hmm. on. I'm not saying it'll happen. I just thought it was a big price because... We've we've said this before that the, the difference in his play and, and and where he was getting involved and the positions he was taking up on the pitch when Coutinho left, he became more he was better than a one in two goal scorer from uh, from January onwards in, in Coutinho's absence he be, basically became Liverpool's left winger slash number ten all on his own he he's taken up that mantle I think he's better in front of goal than Coutinho I think he, he there's less of the the outrageous shots from from distance. Yes, I think yes. he, he gets in behind. He's got that little bit more pace where he can. He can, and, he, and I think he's better at the snap finishes, like he saw, albeit offside, for the second goal. Wasn't it? it was really a very good finish, finish. brilliant finish. Uh, the keeper had no chance, and you know, even even the first, you know, he's he, he's alert. He's right yeah. place, right time. He's kept on side, and you know, we we I've just uh, praised Milner for his awareness. Well, Mane deserves yeah. it as well. Uh, I, it's going to be interesting to watch Mane because I feel like he is the one I've talked about Keita being the differential between Liverpool and City but I, I feel like Mane is the one from the front three who could potentially drag out an extra six or seven points out of Liverpool this season just because he only and I say only you know, in inverted commas he only scored 20 goals last season only 10 in the Premier League only 10 in the Premier League yeah. if he could increase that output by 50% this season that's 15 Premier League goals that's that's just terrible. That's thirty goals in all competitions. I mean, it's it's crazy to think that in any other side of the past what, eight nine years, Sadio Mane would be the best player in Liverpool yeah. by far. He'd be absolutely adored. He'd be revered, and he's not because of Mo Salah. Likewise, Roberto Firmino. The past eight or nine years, Firmino number one with the bullets, best Liverpool player. But it's not because of Mo Salah. So you know, I thought West Ham. Kept their eye on Mo Salah very, very closely uh, throughout. To be fair, um, I thought Felipe Anderson. You know, you see a Brazilian out wide, and you think, oh well, you know, he's not going to track back. But he, he worked hard. He, you know, he tried to double up on on um, Salah as much as possible. But then you've got Mane on the other side. He's floating to this number ten position now, and he's going to cause havoc. So I think I, 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 I think Dan Kay probably did have a couple of bottles of plonk when he when he made that <laughs> prediction. However. I can see where he's coming from most definitely. I thought the way it worked out for Liverpool in terms of the the, the front three um, against West Ham was perfect because slight would not a worry, but maybe a slight question, well, can Salah do it again? And you know for a fact that if Salah went for the first four or five games yes, this season without yeah. a goal, people go, there we go, second season syndrome. No, first goal of the season, new campaign, scored by Mo Salah. 
then you're sort of saying, well, you know, can Sadio Mane make that step up? Can he, you know, can he get more goals than the ten that he got last season? Well, there we go, two straight away. And to be fair, he could have had a hat trick. He had a couple of opportunities near post header in particular. Uh, and then you know, with Sturridge, it's sort of like, well, you know, is Sturridge going to be this bench player that, that can actually come on and make the impact? It's called his first touch. So. In terms of it working out for the, the the front three and the options off the bench, it was the perfect day for Liverpool, and hopefully eased any real fears about what was to come this season. Just to give you more context, Dan Kay's PFA Player of the Year was Allison. His top scorer was Sadio Mane, and he tipped Liverpool to win the title. So who's he sport? Anyway, James, have you had a few quid on Sadio Mane? Um, no, I haven't. Although I must admit, I would have done if I'd known he was eighty to one. I'm yeah. sure he's probably not eighty to one anymore after. Uh, getting off to a flyer but um yeah i do think you know i think did a few pieces over the summer just in terms of i think when you look at you know what what liverpool got out of Firmino and salah last season i think mane's the one who's got probably the 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 more the kind of more i think the more more margin for improvement i think you know he ended up with 20 goals last season which is not to be sniffed at for a player who's essentially a winger but you know, he did actually have a pretty lean period over the course of that season, and Klopp, Klopp did you know talk about you know the fact that obviously that miss against Everton in the derby yes. played played on his mind and and really did dent his confidence levels for a few weeks, and um, you know, obviously he finished the season really strong. You know, he he was a big big part of of Liverpool nailing down that top four spot and getting to the Champions League final. But um, yeah, I think I, I, I it's, he's just such an exciting player to watch and. Uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think I don't think he'll quite get the golden boot. But yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if he if he doubled, you know, got got into the twenties just in the Premier League alone. Because as we talked about previously, in that in this Klopp system, it's so interchangeable and fluid. That front three, it's not, you know, it's like watching Salah last season. You know, it was, you know, yeah, he's a winger, but he's not really a winger, is no, he? He's not no. a winger in the, the normal sense of the word who hugs the touchline and stuff. You know, he, he, they have that license to come inside and. And you know, again, I thought yesterday, although you know he didn't really get a mention, in because there were so many other big performances. But, but Firmino, again, just just what an intelligent footballer he is, and you know, even you know, quite often he was the one dropping deep, and then Kaita was the one you know using that space that that, that Firmino had created. Um, yeah, that that the, the front three. You know, I thought I thought the mid, you know the midfield three were were deservedly kind of the, seemed to get most of the plaudits because Liverpool absolutely bossed that area, but the front three also gave you exactly what you'd what you'd want from them, and um, yeah, just good to see them up and running already because obviously you, you never quite know, do you, with obviously the World Cup and coming back at different times, and they've all had you know slightly different and disjointed pre seasons, but yeah, they looked looked absolutely bang on it and um yeah and when you've got substitutes of the caliber of henderson storage and shakiri to bring on um there's not really going to be much chance of any let up for opponents no another well there was many good performances across the back four trent played very well andy robertson again another p- good performance Virgil van dyke carried on but christian how impressed were you with joe gomez of course he was a late call he was we weren't sure whether he was going to be fit but he came in and uh, he did very well didn't he he did i d- it wasn't necessarily the, the most difficult no. 90 minutes he would have had, but I thought he did what he had to do. Um, there was the one moment where uh, it was in the first half, wasn't it, where Arnautovic sort of beat the yes, trap, yeah. but but he got back and, and, and deflected the ball wide. Yeah. So 
you know, even a, a, a slight mistake of you will, he, 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 you know, he rectified that immediately. Uh, used the ball well, uh, looked confident, looks bigger, looks stronger, yeah. deceptively quick. Um, positional play could maybe still do a little bit of work. I think you saw that. Yeah, exactly. But this is this is the massive asterisk against Joe Gomez, not in a bad way, in a good way. The fact that he's, he's 21, 21 years of age now. I don't think, I think he said, James, that, you know, the club consider centre-backs to be hitting the peak around 26. That was, that was the average age of a centre-back in the Champions, Champions League, League last season, yeah, 26. I think that sounds about right to me in terms of, you know, so he's got he's got five years to still develop and hit his peak, if you will. You know, you could argue his peak years would be for the centre-back, 26 to 32 yes. maybe. It's, it's, so the future is very, very, very bright for, for Joe Gomez. I think he's... Uh, this is a big season for him. I think, you know, he's had, he had obviously his first season where it was absolutely started quite well, uh, and then obviously got that very unfortunate injury. Second season was all about getting back, and you know it took him a while to get going. Now a fair bit in the other 23s once he finally returned in in January. Last season he was in and out the team, right back for a little bit, played a little bit of centre back towards the end of the campaign, but also had you know again interrupted by injuries what we just need from Joe Gomez now to see him kick on is injury free I know obviously he's had one there but in general injury free season yeah. plenty of minutes to centre back because that is his long term position that is where Klopp sees him uh, and he has from, from day one by all accounts and just hopefully build that partnership with Virgil van Dijk because I think we'll move on to this in a bit you know people talk about could Liverpool have done more in terms of centre backs in the window especially with in you know Lovren's news that he, he he's he's not returned from the World Cup uh, exactly fit, but I think again and it's not Klopp style to to, to figure this any other way. You've got a 21 year old centre back there who. Why would you go out and pay 30 million on a centre back when you've got somebody there who in five years time the club have already got could be one of the best centre backs in the world perhaps so. You know that he's got a lot to, to learn and a lot to prove before he can even be considered. You know, potentially getting towards that sort of uh, bracket. But at the same time, he's 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 got a very very good young player there, and maybe this isn't necessarily the season to experiment. But if he's not going to learn now, when will he? So I'm more than happy to see that partnership continue. Um, and what it is for Joe Gomez to do now is for when Lovren's back, when Matip's back, uh, you know, when if if Clavan. You know, we'll talk about that in a minute as well. When Clavan's back as well, it's for them to have to force him out the team because he's nailed down that spot on his own. We've seen that happen before in terms of player. You know, players have taken the chance under Klopp, and Klopp doesn't you know pick the team on ceremonial reputation. He very much gives the players who deserve a starting eleven spot that spot, and so it's for Gomez there to make himself undroppable when these defenders do come back. James. Christian mentioned it then that Joe Gomez might play a bit more football in the coming weeks. Uh, Dejan Lovren, uh, Klopp issued an update, didn't he, after the game, his press conference. It looks like Dejan Lovren is going to be out for a little while anyway. Yeah, I, d I don't think Klopp expects Lovren to, to be back in the Liverpool shirt before the international break. It was, I think, what, three games before then. Um, and, and the hope is that he'd be fit. I think, well, ironically, it'd be Tottenham. Tottenham away mm -hmm. could, could essentially be his first game of the season. Um but uh, but yeah, I think you know, Klopp. It, it was interesting what he said because obviously when when those comments came out, I think it was on on Saturday morning in, from from Croatia about how um, that he had this stomach complaint 
um, that had stopped him from training. I think people thought, well, hang, you know, hang on a minute, because I think he'd done, he'd done an interview with the club media a few days before, essentially saying, I'm, I'm ready and, and good to go. And I think, you know, there was some talk about, you know, has he kept this injury from the club? You know, what was... But, you know, Klopp set the record straight on that. He said that Liverpool knew that he had this issue. You know, he was playing with it towards the back end of last season. Um, Klopp said that because Liverpool essentially weren't really training, they were just playing, resting, playing, that Lovren was able to manage it and get through it. Of course, he was never going to turn down, you know, playing for his, his country at the World Cup and had a, a fantastic tournament. But I think I think he hoped and felt that obviously that it would just die down and, and sort itself out during his three weeks off. Clearly, since trying to train last week, um, it became apparent that that, that, that that wasn't the case and it was it was still an issue. So, you know, off to see a specialist in Holland. Um, Klopp, said you know i think he said it could be could be one week could be two could be three um but you know if joe gomez continues to play like that then there's no no massive need to rush lovren back until he's he's absolutely ready i thought i thought gomez did really well i think well 100 percent his future is as a center half um and he couldn't wish for a better person to be playing alongside than van dyke in terms of we saw what Van Dyke did for Lovren last season, just having that vocal presence and that organizer and leader uh, alongside you. So, yeah, great, great for Gomez. Of course, you know, tougher tests to come, not least at Sellers Park next Monday night, because you know Arnautovic can be a handful, but he was isolated for a lot of Sunday's game. You know, it will be it will be different when um, you know Palace. I'm sure will see a bit more of the ball and and they'll look to look to get it long. Um, and then obviously you've got the, the pace of Zaha that can that can cause issues, but um, yeah, really decent start for for Gomez, um, and yeah, I think you know hopefully Lovren will get that sorted uh, sooner rather than later because Liverpool are short on the ground in that area. You know if you know if Gomez hadn't been fit for the weekend, then we would have would have seen Nat Phillips making his Premier League debut. Um, the good news is that Matip. Is is close to full fitness. I think you know, he should be back in full training this week. Um, you know, he had a, he's had a hip issue, um, and then the interesting one for me will be what happens with Ragnar Klavan because um, you know I understand that Klopp is open to the idea of of, of letting Klavan go before the window shuts, and people are questioning can he really afford to do that with with the lack of cover? But I think he he feels that with Matip coming back, um, obviously Lovren only being a short term thing. Um, plus Phillips's development, and you know you've got those three on top of Gomez and Van Dijk, who played on Sunday. That um, if the right offer comes in for Claver, then you know Liverpool would would certainly consider it. Uh, you know I think what is he thirty two? The Estonian. Mm-hmm. He, he wants to play more more regularly. I think he knows that. You know he, he you know he 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 knew that he was coming in as a squad player two years ago, but I think he feels he'd, he'd probably play even less um, this coming season. So if you know if the right deal can be done, then it wouldn't surprise me if he moved on. Probably, you know, his reputation was very high in the Bundesliga after you know some great service to Augsburg, and it wouldn't surprise me if he went back there. Yeah, I've got a lot of time for Ragnar the Red. He did well in his time with Liverpool. Um, James, going to stick with you. Uh, you talked about Liverpool having plenty in reserve. Can you remember Liverpool having a stronger bench for a number of years in the Premier League? <laughs> no, I must admit, like you look at that, you look at that when, when the team sheet dropped yesterday. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't, I, I, I just couldn't think of. Certainly, never remember Liverpool 
started a season with that with that many options on on the bench and you know there was also you, know, you could name five or six who didn't even didn't even get on mm. the bench i think Klopp spoke afterwards about he said you know i couldn't even give moreno any kind of explanation for why he wasn't even amongst the substitutes because he said he trained really well um but yeah i think it, it just it kind of underlined what we've said this summer in terms of not not just with what he's brought in because people are going well hang on a minute he's only brought in four he's you know, Obviously, he's lost lost Chan. You know, he didn't replace Coutinho immediately back in January. So, Oxley Chamberlain been out for the season. Is it really that deeper? But then you've got the development in in the players that are there already, um, which makes the squad look stronger. And also, obviously, the rise of the of the youngsters as well. Um, so that that's going to be a massive thing this season. Klopp didn't need to. You know, it was essentially the substitutes on Sunday were just to give people a breather. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, when you're bringing on Henderson and Shakiri and, and and Sturridge, and it's it just makes such a massive difference because you go back to last season and not even just then, but the years before that when you you look at the bench before an hour before kickoff and you you'd essentially go, well, do you know what? If Liverpool are going to win today, it'll have to be the first eleven that do it because you know he's he's, he's got nothing really to play with there, um, and that now is is thankfully very different. And obviously, in terms of maintaining the challenge over nine months you know that that's going to be massive right before we go Christine I know you're keen to uh, talk about Andrew Beasley who's um, people may know him on Twitter as Bass Tunes of Red uh, very good stats man he's um, written the first in a series of articles he's going to write for the Echo today um, very interesting he comes up with something called I think it's called EG uh, expected goals which I really like XG um, yeah no I really like it's called EG it's called Expected Goals, and it's, it's new, and I really like it. I'm <laughs> a big fan of it. Uh, Christian, you probably haven't heard much about it before, but I think you like it, don't you? Yeah, it's a whole new concept to me. I've never mentioned Expected no. Goals on this podcast, have I? I don't like XG, but EG. EG. So what's what's the difference between XG and EG? EG is what Joe likes. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm joking, James. It's just because I hated XG, but now Andrew Beasley's doing EG. Oh, right. I really like it, but when Christian used to talk about XG, it was awful. I don't get XG. What is XG? Oh, we we could we'd be here for another podcast, right? EG doesn't exist. Oh, the, the okay. Right. XG exists. Jokes are never um, funny. If you have to explain yeah, them, yeah, Joe. No, I know. Well, he doesn't even know what XG is, so it didn't work for him. It's a very niche joke. But anyway, XG is expected goals. Right. Um, oh, okay. Basically, well, based on shot location, yeah, yeah, shot location. So where right. you'd expect to score from. Right. And, um, Andrew Beasley says that Liverpool have a very high XG. Does he not? He does, uh, and if you want me to put it in layman's terms, basically Liverpool for the first time, I think under Jurgen Klopp, they had uh, six shots from inside the six-yard box, um, and they scored three of them, which just shows that you know not only are they creating chances, but they're creating very good chances. Um, you know, I think that is a real sort of uh, calling card of Jurgen Klopp's is, is the is the quality of chances. I mean. I think we can all remember back to remember the two 0 defeat at Burnley way back in August 2016, and I think Liverpool had 20 shots on goal, but most of them were from Coutinho from 40 yards yeah. out. Um, so you know, although it looks good the fact that they're getting 20 shots, none of them were actually clear cut opportunities. Whereas, you know, uh, what Andrew writes in in the face of a, a weekly column for the Echo is, uh, you know, he says against West Ham, you know, three of the goals were scored from within six yards, which is just showing you. How Liverpool can get in behind, and you know it, it. It struck me, you know, he said. I think he said that the average is is maybe two a game max, and it's certainly not the the, the number that Liverpool managed against West Ham. 
uh, it, it did strike me, you know, the, the, especially the first two goals. I always remember when Liverpool were in the title race with Man City in 2013-14, and it just absolutely infuriate you when you see Man City score that same goal every time. Zabaleta down the yeah, right, yeah, cut that. it back to Aguero or Zeko tapping. That's that. The teams have scored about 55, 60 goals like that. And those opening two goals for, for Liverpool against West Ham on Sunday just really felt like that sort of goal. It wasn't easy. There was a lot of hard work that went into it, a lot of graft, uh, a lot of intelligence, You know, a lot of the parts moving together at the same time. But when it comes off, it just looks effortless. And, and you know, hopefully that's what we're going to see more of this season from Liverpool. Uh, you know, I think you know, we talk about XG. One of the reasons why Liverpool are so hotly tipped by the bookmakers, you know, they were second favourites. They went off at about four to one to uh, to win the title this season. Is because you know, the, if you take a table of, of expected goals, Liverpool was second to City, but the gap between the two was only about ten, eleven points. So it's going to be interesting to see whether that trend will continue. You know, in, again, in layman's terms, all it basically means is that those chances that Liverpool were creating against West Ham they were good chances and you know, when you've got players who can finish anyway you've, you've got the, you've got that p- potential of a Salah Worldy or a Manny Worldy or you know Firmino you know you've got players like Milner who can throw in a free kick or you've got you know Van Dijk who can score from corners but ultimately if they create high quality chances they're going to score more goals they scored a lot of goals last season so it bodes well it's a good start to the season uh, what I would say is that I don't think many teams will be as generous with their line as as West Ham were. The the tactic seemed absolutely ridiculous to me how high their line was against a team like Liverpool. Why teams think they can do that against Liverpool now? I, I don't know if it's a bravado thing. I don't know. But it was a great. Did you see the picture knocking around on Twitter? There was a great image of their their line defensive line before a free kick was actually higher than their wall. Higher than the wall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, really, Liverpool should have got onto that. I mean, you should have just stuck Van Dijk on. On the six-yard box, but yeah, it's it's you know perfect start for Liverpool. Really, I don't think I don't think anyone can have any complaints, um, and hopefully, you know, it carries on as it's begun. Right, Christian James, thank you. Before we go, I just want to thank anyone who came to our first live event uh, last Wednesday, Blood Red Live. Uh, James, you had a good time. Yeah, it was very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. glad I wasn't all alone. Yeah, hopefully we will be doing plenty more of them. And thanks for joining us today. We'll be back Friday when we'll look ahead to Crystal Palace and for Liverpool to continue this title challenge, hopefully. Thanks for listening. Cheers. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield.